Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So we come now as people who are are centered in the worship and in the word of God. And so we invite you um, as we remain standing to just receive God's word, um, whether again you're at home or in the room, to just receive this word from Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Then the word of the Lord, Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, for your kindness. Lord, that you are with us, that you are before us and behind us. And so, Lord, we pray that that very presence, that very spirit would dwell upon us now. That as we hear your word, that as we receive your word, we would be transformed by your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And we are people who love inspirational speeches, don't we? Right? And uh, I was thinking um, earlier back on the 4th of July, I watched the movie Independence Day, which is one of my favorite movies. And uh, I can still hear the, the president, you know, Bill Pullman going, I will not go quietly into the night. We will not perish without a fight. Like we love these sort of motivational speeches, believing that they are sort of like the, the thing that can take something and make it amazing. Um, and so one of the ways in which uh, I've, I've been a part of different speeches is through football. Um, so a lot of you know I played high school football at Owasso. And so um, when I was playing high school football, Jinx was the big, big bad enemy. They still are, but um, they were especially then in the midst of just rolling over people left and right. Now here's what I know today is um, we were pretty good. Like we made the playoffs, we won a lot of games, we destroyed some teams, but we could have played our best game against Jinx, they could have played their worst game all season and they still would have beaten us by three touchdowns. 
That's what I know today. They were just so much better. And here's how I know that is because of what happened afterwards. So um, I played this outside linebacker position. My number one job playing outside linebacker was not to let people get outside of me. That was the big no, no, don't let anybody get outside of you. Um, but it's a whole lot easier said than done, especially when we were playing jinx, because let me just tell you what, what I was up against, all right? There was a tackle, an offensive tackle, who ended up signing at Oklahoma State and starting on their offensive line. One of their tight ends played at the University of Tulsa and then played for the New England Patriots. Another of their tight ends played at the University of Texas on the defensive side. Their fullback, a guy by the name of Lawrence Pinson, started at linebacker for Oklahoma State University. And the running back, um, one of their running backs was a guy by the name of Jason Carter, who ended up starting at safety at the University of Oklahoma. And so I remember we were playing them and they ran a sweep my direction. And, um, and I let them get outside of me. And I, I tell you what, my coach, he was so mad. I mean, he was yelling at me. How, how could you let them get outside of you? How dare you? That's your job. And, uh, and I was just, I wanted to like tell him like, dude, like they're going to go play division one. And then some of them are going to go play on Sundays and I'm going to go be a preacher. And that's how I let them get outside of me. Like, and so later on in the game, like they ran the same play because it works, you know, and that time I just sort of, you know, I made sure they didn't get outside of me and they just ran through their running back, another guy by the name of Aaron Brewer. He like ran through the middle untouched for a touchdown, but I didn't let him get outside of me. And, you know, the coach just sort of looked at me and I, you know, like you don't do this, but you think about it. I sort of want to be like, you know, like, what can I do? Right. Literally, what can I, what can I do? So this is the team we're playing. All right. Um, we got one defensive guy who's going to go play D1, but the rest of us are a bunch of nobodies. And, um, um, and so, but again, we, we thought, you know, we believe, right? You have to believe that you could do something. And so we had to believe that we could beat this team. And so I wanted to help our team know, like, yes, we can take this team down. And so um, I was one of the, the leaders of our team, and I had the opportunity to do one of the pregame, like, uh, huddle uh, speeches to, to, to rally our, our troops. And so... Um, before that game in which they just slaughtered us, um, about an hour and a half, the, the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, defensive uh, backs, and linebackers, we all went out there to get ready early on. And, and so they, as we were about to go, um, we all gathered around, and this was my time to shine. And I had thought about it, uh, my speech. What, what am I going to say that's going to make the difference? And so um, I get there, and I say, you know, nobody expects us to win this game. You know, they're, they're, we are outmanned. Uh, everybody thinks it's the mighty Jinx Trojans, and, and they're the ones that have all the athletes, and they have all these players. And, and I said, you know, they may have Lawrence Pinson, this linebacker and fullback I mentioned, but he's no Lawrence Taylor, the great defensive end and linebacker from the New York Giants. They may have Jason Carter, this running back and safety, but he's no Chris Carter, this great wide receiver from the Vikings. And then I said, and they may have Aaron Brewer, um, but he's no Aaron Tiger. And uh, ever, all of my friends were like, yes, let's go get it. And we had the best warm-up we've ever had. We must have used all of our good energy because it was 21-0 at the end of the first quarter. But that warm-up, I want to tell you, was great, right? Like, we are people who love the idea of motivation and inspiration, and we're people who rely on ins being inspired and having this pep talk because we believe that the right pep talk can change our beliefs and it can change our behavior, that if we're inspired to do something, then we can accomplish it. 
But we know that changing our behavior or doing something we don't want to do or thinking something we don't want to believe is actually one of the hardest things that we can do. And so kids, uh, in your notebooks, I'm going to invite you, um, throughout my sermon here, I'm going to be talking about four different boxes, and I invite you to do something um, that I ask you to do um, in the first box. And if you're watching from home, I invite you to get some scratch paper and join with us. But in box one, I want you to write or draw something that you used to do, but you don't do anymore, all right? Something you used to do, but that you don't do anymore. Because one of the things that we know is that it's hard sometimes to change our beliefs or our behaviors. Now, why is it hard for us to do that? What makes it difficult about us as people to be able to do it? Um, The first thing I think about is that we all are people of of habits and routines. Um, If you're used to going the same way to work for 30 years and and, and something changes because there's road construction in Oklahoma all the time, um, it's hard to change that, that habit, right? Um, we have a, a pattern of belief and a pattern of thought. We, it's hard for us to change because we're in a routine, we have that habit. Another reason why I think it's hard for us to change is because we're afraid um, that, that we experience fear. Um, we're, we're afraid of, we know how to live in this reality. We don't know what it would be like. What if I change my behavior how would I live in the new one? And that's scary to us, all right? Or, or changing the way we think, that's a scary world for us. And, and also I think it's hard for us sometimes to change our beliefs or behaviors because of relationships. If, if a group of us believe this and, and yet all of a sudden I start to believe this, then what about my relationships here? If we always did this together and now I don't do that anymore, but I do this, what does that mean for my relationships with these people? And so we really value our relationships. And so we'll hold on to do things that maybe we shouldn't do because we value these relationships. And one of the things that I believe is critical for our faith development, all right, is that we, is that we alter our beliefs and behaviors based on who God is and what God wants us to do. And that we are people who are open to this change and that we should want to change in the way that God would have us to change. And so how is it that we actually change our our minds? How do we change our beliefs? How do we change our behaviors? Um, And I think there's a few different ways. This isn't a kind of a a list that encompasses everything, but I think one of the most important things is that you have a trusted source, somebody that you rely on. When I was in seminary, I had a professor by the name of Dr. Bauer. Now, Dr. Bauer taught New Testament, and, and I'm pretty sure he had the New Testament memorized. Um, because he just seemed to be one of those guys who knew everything. Um, and if you said, well, what's in Matthew chapter 12, he could tell you the whole thing. It was one of those crazy people. Um, and so here he is. And so when he was talking about the scriptures, I was listening because I trusted him. And if he taught me something, then I would pay attention because I gave him authority. I think one of the struggles we have right now is is, it's just who do we trust and how do we trust them um, and what information to trust. And that seems to be one of our struggles right now is that trust is really, really hard to come by. Now, another thing that, that we, how do we change behavior is through our own life experiences. Um, you know, I've, I, I've changed belief and behaviors about being a dad after I became a dad. There are things that I thought, oh, I'd never say that or do that, that I've ended up saying or doing, right? That this is normal as a parent because we look on it on the outside. I remember looking on the outside and thinking, oh, my parent, you know, I wouldn't do things that way. But then I end up doing them that way because they make sense in a different context. Our life experience changes what we believe and what we do. Sometimes we change what we do or feel 
because of we have a pit experience. We talked about this last week with, with Jonah. And so we're in this story of Jonah. And so in Jonah chapter 1, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. And he goes the exact opposite way. And he gets on a boat and there's a big storm. And uh, eventually the best course of action was to throw Jonah over. And as he's descending into the water and seaweed is wrapped around his head, he cries out to God. This is his low moment, his bottoming out experience. All right, And, and God sends a big fish to 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 swallow him up, and to save his life. And so sometimes we have to hit that bottom where we know we can't keep going the direction that we want to go. Instead, we have to go a different direction. And so we hit rock bottom, and sometimes that's why we change beliefs or behaviors. Sometimes we just have an openness to change. That's one of the things that I think even this season of church has allowed us to do is so many things are changing. Well, what if we did things a little bit differently, or what if we did it this way instead? And so we have this openness to change that happens sometimes in more seasons than other seasons. Sometimes we just experience so much frustration with our life in the way that we have it. I think about um, Dave Ramsey, who, who um, Financial Peace University, and, and trying to help people get out of debt. And one of the things I remember him saying is, you got to get sick, you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. You, gotta give, you, you can't just be like, eh, it's okay that we're so much in debt. No, you have to get mad at it. You have to be frustrated with it. You have to be so sick and tired of it that you're willing to change your behavior and focus and go in another direction. And so sometimes we just get so frustrated that it causes us to change. And I, I would rather experience that than to hit rock bottom and to have that deep pit experience. And sometimes we are inspired to a new direction, that we want to go from here to there because there looks so much better. And so we, we, we see a new future and we want to move towards it. And so something just inspires us. And so I remember when I was a, a junior in high school, I was inspired. I went to the very first Fast and Furious. Now, I, I guess they have like eight of these now. I don't know. I didn't, re- I didn't think it was that good of a movie um, whenever I went to watch it. But I remembered that as soon as I left that movie, I was inspired to drive fast. If I was a police officer... I would have just sat outside the movie theater so you could catch a bunch of punk kids who are 16, 17, and 18 speeding away. Because I had a 1993 red Honda Civic that was a standard. And so it was just like, I just thought I was the coolest thing pulling out, you know, in that fast little car. Um, I called it the little go daddy, which is not the information you needed, but it's the information you get this morning. Um, And so right after I saw that movie, I was inspired to go and do something differently. Now, I would get, I would... I would speed till I got to five over the speed limit, and then I would settle down. But I'd get there as quick as I could, all right? Um, and so this is the way life works. We see something we experience, and we're inspired. Sometimes that carries through. Oftentimes it doesn't. And so there's, there's something about being inspired. And so as a, as a preacher, one of my goals is to try to figure out ways to inspire you, to, to craft this message, to craft a sermon in such a way that when you leave, you're like, Yes, I want to go and live differently. I want to do things God's way. I see the world a new way. And and that I spend all this time and all this energy trying to come up with ways to do that. But here is the the thing that I've learned reading Jonah. Is that I really hate Jonah. Because he does none of that. And he has amazing results. He doesn't spend this time crafting a message. He doesn't put all this great energy into it. He is the prophet who does the least amount of work and gets the biggest amount of buck from it. You know, we have other prophets, um, Isaiah, I think of, who, who wrote these grand narratives that, that proclaiming things to God's people, and, and they, he was rejected. He spent all this time and all this energy and all these words, 
and, and people didn't really hear him or listen to him. And that's the way it is with so many prophets. They spent all this time and all these words, and they got no impact. But Jonah, if we remember in Jonah chapter 1, he spoke a few words on the boat, and it ends up all these people end up believing in God. And then here in Jonah chapter 3, we, we hear a little bit more. And he does it very unwillingly. I mean, I can imagine that, that once he got out of the belly of the fish, and, uh, and God tells him a second time, go to Nineveh and say this stuff, that, you know, he probably, and it was, it was not an easy, it was not like five minutes away. I mean, he had a journey. And you can just imagine him sort of muttering, all right, God, I'm going, but I'm not happy about this. Like, this is not what I want to do. He went very unwillingly to Nineveh. And, and, and oftentimes, I, sometimes I think, gosh, um, that, that unwilling obedience isn't a good thing. But actually, the more I look at it, is, is we have great instances of people who didn't want to do something but did it anyway, and God blessed them, and God met them there. One of the most famous stories for us as United Methodists actually comes from our founder, John Wesley. And so John Wesley, who, um, who sort of designed our church and, and sort of birthed the, the church movement, he didn't always feel like it. But most famously, he had this Aldersgate moment. And this is what he wrote in his journal. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Martin Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone from salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And so here John Wesley goes unwillingly to a Bible study. And they don't even get to the Bible. It's just sort of the preface. And there he's reminded that God loves him and he feels overwhelmed. His heart is strangely warm. And this is what we actually believe. Here's what we believe is that sometimes God does his best work when his people are unwillingly obedient. We don't always have to be the most excited about where God is calling us to go. If we will just go and show up, God will do amazing things. And so God will do work in your life and in my life when I am faithfully following him, even if I'm not excited about it. And sometimes we think, I'm going to go, but only when I feel motivated to go. And what our scriptures tell us and what experiences of other Christians tell us is go even when you don't feel like it. If God says go, go and God will do amazing things not only in you, but also with you and through you. And so kids, I'm going to invite you in, in box two to draw a picture of something that you do unwillingly, something that you do that you don't necessarily like doing, but you know maybe it's good for you to do. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh. Now it says it's a, a, a large town and uh, it's about a three-day journey, and so he goes about a third of the way in, and then he gives them this sermon that changes their whole city. And this is what he says. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. Can you imagine if after we sang the blessing today, if I just come up here and said, yet 40 days and Mustang shall be overthrown. And then I walked out. Some of you would have been happy about that. You'd have been like, whoo, we're certainly going to beat the Baptist to lunch today, right? But... I mean, we expect more, but this was his message, the entirety of his message. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But here's what we see in the story. 
is that God is so much bigger than the messenger. God is so much bigger than just what is being said because God works at a level that we can't see. And, God, and we often think that we can do great things for God without God. And this is just another reminder of God being able to do great things really without us. And what he was able to do, he set off a chain of events of revival. And so Jonah's unwilling obedience changed the whole context. Now what it says in our scriptures is that, and the people of God, and the people of Nineveh, do you hear what it said? Believed God. It didn't say, and the people of Nineveh believed Jonah. The people of Nineveh believed God. He was the one that set the message in their hearts and that inspired and enlivened them. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And so it really spread throughout the town. It wasn't just the king, though we hear about the king, but everybody realized that life could be different. And in there it talks about how they, they wore sackcloth and they sat in ashes. And, and this is a symbol of repentance. It's a symbol that life is not okay right now, that we have done things we're not supposed to do, we have lived life in a way that we shouldn't, and we need to be going in a different way. And so that was an outward and visible symbol of something that was going on inward, the sackcloth and the ashes. And it reminds me of Ash Wednesday, which is a practice that we do here in this church where we put ashes on people's foreheads, and it's that sign of repentance. It's that sign that we need God and that things our way are not okay. And so kids, in box three, I invite you to, to draw a picture of people in Nineveh repenting and praying. What does that look like in your imagination for them to go? And so they repented. And again, it wasn't about human inspiration, but it was a spiritual awakening that was happening in the people of Nineveh. And it spread like a wildfire. I mean, just imagine the scene of a whole city stopping and getting on their knees and praying before God. Of people changing from their royal robes or their everyday clothes and putting on these uncomfortable sackcloths because their hearts were broken and they knew that they needed to repent. Now, when we talk about repentance, um, I want to give you a definition that one of those trusted sources in my life, a guy by the name of Robert Mulholland, he was a professor at Asbury, said, and this is what he says. He says, repentance is not being sorry for the things that you have done, but being sorry you are the kind of person that does such things. So often, and maybe there's some of us in this room who we said we're sorry for the same thing to God or to um, our loved one or whoever it might be 50 times or 100 times or 500 times. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I did that. But what God, what, what repentance does is it says not just, oh, I'm sorry I did that thing. I'm sorry that's who I am. I'm the kind of person who gets so mad I can't control it. I'm the kind of person who's hurting so much that I choose addiction over grace. I'm the kind of person who has this going on inside, and so I'm doing these things. I'm the kind of person who does this. And so repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's saying, I want to live differently. And part of that is us believing and regretting and repenting over our sins. It's about turning and changing the way that we do things. And so kids, in, in box four, I'm going to invite you to draw a picture or write down something that you think God wants you to change or to do differently in your life. All right? 
because I think that God is stirring something in each and every one of us. Now, what's interesting in the, the Hebrew, that the word that, that Jonah said here um, in his sermon, um, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That word overthrown can also mean transform. And, and so what, what is really interesting is I think Jonah thought, I am going to preach and then God's going to destroy the city. But what his message was, was actually it could be overthrown or it could be transformed. And that's exactly what happened is that they were a transformed city, that God relented and allowed them to live and thrive in this new way. And that God can transform even the wicked, most wicked, most wicked of us into who he wants us to be. But that's only if we have an openness. That's one of the ways that we change, is am I open to being transformed by God's word and by his truth and his grace. And what we need is that openness to awaken the spirit in each and every one of us. Do you want to live differently? God, I want something more than what I have. And so as a, as a staff, we were talking earlier this week and, and we're saying, you know, what do we need to do this fall? And, and we know it's going to be a weird fall and we know lots of things are going to happen. But what, the word and the idea that came up was revival, um, awakening. And so um, what we are, are going to be doing is having a, an awakening weekend here at Mustang United Methodist Church. We're going to do it September 11th through 13th. Um, and so this is just going to be an opportunity for us to, to focus our energy and our time um, with God and, and, and in, pre, in our community. And so here's, um, I'm going I'm to tell you all some bad news. Some of you may know the bad news, but um, uh, they have decided to cancel Western Days for, for this year. Um, I told that in the earlier service, and I, I saw all these eyes, like, oh, no. Um, uh, they, but based on uh, public safety, they felt it was in the best interest. This is actually that same weekend. We thought, what an opportunity for us to be present, and we still do. We're going to do so much of it outside because we feel safer being outside. Um, we're going to have on Saturday night that weekend, we're going to have a night of just worship. Um, not really a message, but just worship and prayer where we're just going to turn ourselves to God. We're going to do worship outside Sunday morning and Sunday night, have a time of prayer on that Friday night, and just really open ourselves to saying, Lord, your will, your way in, your, in our hearts. We want what you want for us, and we repent because any revival, any new things has to begin with the stopping of the old things. That, that if we want to go somewhere new, we've got to stop doing what we're doing. It has to end. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. And there are things in our life that we have to say no to so that we can say yes to God's things. And that we can move from there to here. And so we have to begin with repentance. And so building up to that awakening weekend um, in September, we're going to have 40 days of prayer and repentance as a church body. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to send you prayer prompts. We're going to have these in email and also probably some hard copies, but we also want to make it available to you via text. And so beginning next Monday, August the 3rd, it's going to begin this 40 days of prayer leading up to that September day. And so if you want to be a part of receiving it by text message, um, we're going to be sending text out at 8 o'clock um, every night. Then just text the word pray. That's all you need to do is pray to that number, 405-251-6757. So that's 405-251-6757. And if you text that, then every night during that 40 days of prayer, you will get a, a kind of our prompt of what we as the people are praying for and what we are believing. Because revival doesn't happen because we say it's happening. 
All right, just it, it, revival happens because God's people are committed to it and they're open to it. Because I can't say that this is what our awakening weekend is going to look like because I don't know. And it really depends on us. Are we going to be willing to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I want what you want? And one thing I've learned during this whole mess of 2020 is that I need Jesus. As we, during the first service, as we were singing um, Cornerstone, and I thought about my anchor holds, that God is this anchor in this storm. And, I, and the image I, I got was, was, you know, like we have this boat that, that God says, you know what, there will be storms and, and, and it's okay because I will hold, the anchor will hold, you will make it, it will be okay. But so many of us, whenever the storms come, we think I've got to do something to make this storm or to get rid of this storm or to run away from this storm instead of being the people of God in the midst of the storm. And so the image I got was there's this huge boat and it's anchored in and, and yeah, it's bumpy and yeah, it's wavy and yeah, the waters are coming in. But so many of us, what I saw was so many of us are getting in those little lifeboats, you know, and the big boat is staying in the ocean, but we're getting in these little lifeboats and we're trying to row ourselves away from the storm, thinking maybe we can beat it, but we can't. And all the meanwhile, God's saying there is a safe place. It may be rocky. You may get sick to your stomach while you're on here. You may be afraid, but I've got this. And so many of us are bailing ship and rowing our own boats, thinking that we can do it ourselves. I've made it thus far doing it my way. I can make it through this and through anything. And that's not the way revival works. That's not the way awakening works. That's not the way that God works. And so what I think God wants us to do is to be still and to trust him and to repent of our own rowing and our own way and instead do things his way. And so what I, what I want us to do today is just to spend a little time in prayer. You can do this at home. You can do it here in the room. We're going to open up this altar here and we invite you to, to, to be people of, of prayer and really to begin not with what's wrong without there, but what's wrong within here. What is God stirring in your heart? Not just things that you've done, but ways in which you've seen the world. What is God calling you to do in your heart and to begin to repent today? To say, Lord, I am sorry, not just for what I've done, but for being that kind of person. And I want to change my way, and I want to be more consistent with you. And so I'm going to open us with the time of prayer. Reuben's going to play some music for us. Um, if you want to come to the altar, you're invited to do so. And then we'll sing our closing song. If you're at home, I just invite you to be in an attitude of prayer. Sometimes it helps if you get your body in a different place. I know you get comfortable on your couch. I know your feet are up. I know that's really good. But maybe this is the time to just hit your knees and say, Lord, I want what you want. And the same thing for us in the room. Where you are at the altar, whatever feels like, God, I want what you want. I'm sorry for doing things my way. And so I'll open us in prayer and then we'll just have this time for each of us to pray. And so Lord, we do pray. Lord, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have failed to be obedient individuals. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. 
through Jesus Christ. And so now, Lord, I pray for those people right now who, who are paying attention to you, who, who are so tired and frustrated. Maybe they've hit bottom, maybe they haven't, but they've been trying to do things their way for so long. And they're afraid, what if I gave you control? What if I really surrendered my heart and my life to you? Can I take that risk? Lord, can you stir in their hearts if they can? Can you just do what you did in Nineveh, in Mustang, and stir in our hearts a revival and a renewal that begins right here? Could you set a fire in this place? Can, can there be a spark right here in this sanctuary, right here in that living room, right here on that back patio? Can we say, Nothing else matters but you. I give you my whole heart. Lord, change me. I don't just want a better life. I want a new one. And so, Lord, if anybody's ready to do that for the first time, Lord, I pray they'd have the courage to come forward, to reach out. But maybe there's some of us. We've been doing this church thing for a long, long time. It becomes so habitual that we forgot the depth of the joy of it. And we have put our own behaviors and said, well, it's okay because I still follow you, but maybe not in this area, but that's okay because I still do a lot of good things for you, God. Lord, convict us. Stir that heart that says, I don't want just some of you, I want all of you. And may we as your people confess and repent and turn around so that our lives, our families, our church, our community, our state, our country, and our world are transformed. Awaken in us. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves completely to you today as we pray individually where we are or at this altar. Change our hearts, oh God. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.